Hello and welcome here to Mountain View Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Josh Schultz and I'm excited that you're here with us today. Today our sermon, our message is uh, focusing on Isaiah chapter 63 verses 16 and 17 and then chapter 64 verses 1 through 8. Isaiah writes, But you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our father, our redeemer from of old is your name. Why, O Lord, do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so that we do not revere you? Return for the sake of your servants and the tribes that are your inheritance. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. But you will go hungry, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We, are, we shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. This is God's word. God's grace and peace to you, brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace. That's what we need from God. Tomorrow, we'll be asking for blessings like that when we sing verse 3 of A Little Town of Bethlehem. We'll sing, So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. Now that line right there, that God would impart blessings to human hearts, that assumes that our hearts need God's blessings. And boy, is that true. Because what is the state of human hearts in a year like 2020? Well, there's a lot of human hearts out there that are hurting. They're throbbing. They're, they're broken. You know, 2020, with everything that's happened, it's, it's been one gut punch after another, after another, wouldn't you agree? I remember 
what my heart felt like when I walked into the grocery store back in March and I saw shelf after shelf after shelf almost empty. You know, people were laughing about how ridiculous it was, but it was just heartbreaking to see all these people living in fear or going the first time and seeing in a store or whatever public place it was. Do you remember what it was like to see everybody in masks? Everybody afraid to get close? I mean, it's just so different. It's like we're living on a different planet. I remember making the decision with our church leaders to go from in-person to online back in March. And I remember calling our members one after the other and hearing the long pause when I broke the news. And they're like, really? It's come to this? It's heartbreaking. And that's just COVID. There's a lot more that's happened in 2020. Like seeing the images and videos of broken glass and burning buildings with riots. Seeing all the political tension, verbal, stabbing each other in the back, just over politics. There were rumors of war in 2020, like what happened with Iran. There was natural disasters like hurricanes in the south and fires out west. And the list can go on. What's the state of human hearts in 2020 while they're hurting? Still picking up the pieces. You know, everything that's happened in 2020, some of that has maybe hit close to home for you, maybe not. But either way, when we see what's happening in our world, it's sad. I mean, it's sad to watch what we're watching. We're watching a broken world proving what it is. It's broken because of the consequence of sin. It causes us to sigh, to grieve, to cry out to God. It causes us to lament. And that's what we have here in Isaiah chapter 63 and 64. This is a biblical lament. This is a believer crying out to God and grieving over the state and tragedy of sin. And that's what Isaiah is doing here. And you know, Isaiah, he had every reason to lament, to grieve over the state of the world he lived in. See, Isaiah lived in a time when God's people, generation after generation, had turned from God and turned to idols. He lived with kings who wouldn't listen to what he and the other prophets had to say. He lived in a time when God promised that judgment was coming, Jerusalem would be destroyed, and his people carried off into exile. It was tragic. And Isaiah's lamenting over it. He's grieving over it. He's saying in verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And isn't that a prayer, a cry to God that we can say to God, that you, we just want you to come down, rip open the heavens, come down, and get it over with. Destroy this world and all its sin. Fix it. And make it new. Make it perfect like it once was. 
and the sadness and the tension and the war and the, and the death. Just come back. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you. And as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down and make your name known to your enemies. Cause the nations to quake before you. That's what Judgment Day is going to be like. When God comes down and he makes himself known to his enemies and that will cause his enemies to tremble. And we don't find joy in that. We grieve over unbelief. We grieve over the fact that God's enemies are God's enemies. We know that God is right and he has every right to carry out his justice. But this is a lament and it's not just Isaiah's lament. This is what we call a communal lament. This is the lament of of all believers then and all believers now. All right, it's us together grieving over the brokenness of this world. But you know what the problem is when we grieve and we focus on the brokenness of the world? We see that we're broken too. That's what Isaiah was led to. Like when he says in verse 5, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, so believers, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. Isaiah is crying out to God and he's saying, we the people of Israel, we, we had your word, we had your ways, we knew your commands and yet we still sinned against them. And as believers today, when we confess our sin individually or together, like in a worship service, we're confessing the same thing. Lord, we know what you want us to do, but we don't do it. We know what we shouldn't do, but that's what we do. We know the way we should go, but we've gone our own way. Isaiah even says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So it's not just our blatant sin, but it's even our good works, our, our acts of righteousness. Even those are so tainted with sin. And Isaiah is, is saying this because he's saying, God, if I'm going to ask you to come down and punish sin and take care of the brokenness of the world, you should punish me too. That's why he says in verse 5, how then can we be saved? Reflecting on the brokenness of this world led Isaiah to repent of his own sin. And you know, we should too. Every time a pandemic happens, every time there's tension or riots, wars or rumors of war, every time there's, there's brokenness in our own family, in our own relationships, every time we see death, every aspect of this world being so broken in sin when we see that, it should lead us to confess and repent our own brokenness and our own sin. And, and that's a place where God wants to take us first, to repentance. Because that's when and where God gives us exactly what we need. Hope. God gives us hope. 
When we see what this world should be and isn't, he gives us hope of a new heaven and new earth. When we see what we should be but aren't, God gives us hope of the new life and the new person and the new, the new life we'll have in heaven with a resurrected body that only he can give. He gives hope that when he comes down, he's going to fix the world and he's going to fix us. And Isaiah has that hope because he knows who God is. That's what he says in verse 8. He says, Yet, O God, you are our Father. Isaiah knows that when God comes down on Judgment Day, he's going to take care of his enemies. But even though we were enemies, we aren't anymore. We are God's children. He's our Father. He says in verse 16, or verse chapter 63, he says, O Lord, you are our Father, our Redeemer from of old. That is your name. God's not just our Father, He's also our Redeemer. That means He delivers us. And He delivers us from of old. It's a really important aspect that Isaiah is bringing out here. That He remembered God's deliverance from of old. Because Isaiah was looking ahead and hoping for God's deliverance in the future. And he knew God would do that. He had that hope because he looked to God's deliverance in the past. Isaiah knew that God promised Adam and Eve that he would send a Savior right there in Genesis chapter 3. Isaiah knew that God had led Abraham and he had protected Joseph. God knew how he had, or Isaiah knew how God had delivered his people from slavery up out of Egypt, how he had led them across the Red Sea on dry ground, and he, how he had won battle after battle after battle, battle and took them to the promised land. He knew of when David defeated Goliath and God delivered his people. Isaiah knew that God is the deliverer, the redeemer of his people from of old, and that led him to believe that God would do it again in the future. My friends, you can believe and know and hope in the same truth. And when you look back at your Redeemer from of old, when you look in God's plan of salvation in the Bible, what do you see? You see hope in one man, one Savior, one Redeemer, Jesus Christ. You know, when we read these verses, Jesus isn't mentioned here explicitly anywhere. But when you dig deeper, you see that Jesus is fulfilling all this prophecy. He's giving hope to all of the tragedy and taking care of it that Isaiah spoke of. Like in verse 1 when he says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. We know that Jesus already ripped the heavens apart and he came down to live here on this earth. And he did it in the most unexpected way. In verse 3, he says, You did awesome things that we did not expect. Didn't Jesus fulfill that? He did something we didn't expect. God came and became a man. He became one of us. He took on flesh. He came to live with us in this broken world. Like when we celebrate at Christmas, Luke chapter 2, right? There's Mary and Joseph forced by an oppressive gov government to walk all those miles when Mary is so pregnant 
They get there and there is no room for them in the inn. He's born. He's born in the labor, in the pains of labor. He's put in a cattle trough. God came in a most unexpected way, proving that he's here to live in and with our brokenness. And he delivered us from that brokenness, from that tragedy, in unexpected ways too. And Jesus, he didn't come down to make us tremble. He came down to take away our fears. He didn't come down to command us to do things right. He came down to live rightly in our place. Jesus came down and he wasn't unclean like us. No, everything he touched became clean. Jesus didn't come to put us in the boiling water. Jesus came down to take us out of it. Jesus didn't come down to carry out his wrath. He came down to save us from God's wrath when he went to the cross. Jesus didn't come down so that we would wonder how we are saved. He came down so that we would know for sure that we are saved. He didn't come to condemn. Jesus came to forgive. And that's what you are. You're forgiven. You are forgiven because Jesus fulfilled every word that Isaiah spoke. He came down and he saved you. But even though he saved and forgave us of our sin, we still live in a world broken by sin, and that's why we still lament that brokenness, that tragedy of sin. Every time that there's a pandemic or just any other sickness, every time that there's wars or rumors of war, every time there's tension or riots, every time someone's on their deathbed or when somebody dies, we can say, O oh Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down. We pray that prayer with hope because we know that's exactly what Jesus will do. He's going to come down and he's going to fix it. God here is imparting the human heart's hope. And that hope is a sure confidence that when Jesus comes back, he's going to fix everything that he's already forgiven. Amen. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, as, as we look at the tragedy of, of 2020 and everything else that's happened this year and all other years, when we see the brokenness of this world and its sin, Lead us to lament, lead us to grieve, and to pray to you that you would come. We know we live in these end times, and we just want you to come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come and fix all that is broken. And when you do come, may you find us in faith. Find us hoping and trusting in you. And lead us to be ready for that day when you come again and fix everything that you've already forgiven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.